Hi, Claire. Thank you so much for taking the time out to chat. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, I'm a huge fan of your work. And so this is very exciting for me to be on your show. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. I'm a big fan of yours as well. Um, So can you tell me about where you grew up and what you ate? Um, Sure. Um, I grew up in Texas. Um, My mother is Filipino. So, um, you know, she was also a nurse and worked a lot. So, you know, uh, to be honest, like she would cook Filipino food every once in a while, but we ate a lot of fast food and, um, but, or like kind of, you know, ragu bottled spaghetti sauce and Mm -hmm. things like that. And, and so, um, but aside from all of that, we always had like mango and rice on the table and, and that's like a very distinct memory, like every single meal, whether it was breakfast, lunch or dinner, there was always mango and rice. And it didn't matter if it was Domino's pizza or um, (laughs) Chef Boyardee, (laughs) there was always, there was always mango and rice on the table. Um, As an adult though, I, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in Houston and got exposed to a lot of different foods and um, definitely um, expanded my my uh, food diet and vocabulary beyond uh, the fast food chains as an adult. Right. Well, what led you to working in the restaurant industry? Um, I got my degree in art history and anthropology, and I was doing some nonprofit um, museum work in Texas and Houston, uh, which has an amazing art scene and was, you know, making the rounds of unpaid internships. And I was like, oh, I should probably make some money. So I actually started um, at a small restaurant just because I knew a lot of the staff there from hanging out at the same local bar and started as a server and um, fell in love with cocktails, which has been my focus more or less since then. And um, worked as a bar back and kind of made my way up into um, the bar manager role all at that same restaurant. What has kind of kept you in the industry and and what has, what kind of led to you focusing so much on sustainability in, in bars and restaurants? Um, what has kept me in the industry? (laughs) Um, you know, honestly, um, leading up to that, you know, that first rest, first couple restaurant jobs, um, bar jobs, I, you know, I didn't have like a very, um, tight professional community. Um, mm-hmm. like the art museum world is very competitive and, um, kind of isolating in a lot of ways, your work. And so I really liked this team mentality, um, and, uh, you know, up, we're all up against, all the odds um, <laughs> together, and um, and so I, I really I really loved that kind of like ethos of just getting it done and, and working together to make that happen. And um, you know, my first restaurant job um, was this like kind of fancy barbecue place, and the woman that was the chef owner there, she um, was really leading the way in kind of the farm to table movement. Um, in the early to mid two thousands in Houston and, you know, and in a city that was like, so meat centric, especially Mm -hmm. at that time, um, that definitely like 
informed a lot of the ways that I initially thought about what restaurant food could be and what cocktails could be. And then um, kind of coinciding with that, I started doing a couple shifts at another restaurant. I think I was working at like three different restaurants at the same time because I was just really hungry to learn everything about the industry and get a lot of different experience. And I started working at this nose to tail restaurant there. Um, it was some chefs that used to work at uh, St. John's in London and um, very much like took that model and just transplanted it into Houston. And so I learned a lot about, you know, nose to tail cooking um, in terms of in terms of meat, in terms of animals and how a lot of that was like rooted in um, kind of like cultural and um, historical um, necessity. Mm -hmm. um, so I was kind of like seeing both sides of the spectrum, like these heritage techniques that a lot of them came from like the countryside in Europe and then, um, and then seeing it um, in a, in an urban setting um, going into fancy cocktails from garden to glass. And, um, I don't think I thought about either of those things in like terms of like, oh, I'm like starting my career in sustainability, but I was just mm -hmm. like, oh, that's really smart. And that makes sense. And why isn't everybody doing this? And, um, I eventually moved to San Francisco and started, um, digging, deeper and more intentionally into sustainability. But um, when I was out in San Francisco, that started from um, a perspective focused on water, which mm -hmm. kind of circled back to these initial experiences I had in, in, the, in the restaurant industry. And so it all kind of came full circle once I got to San Francisco. Right. And how has sustainability colored your career since you you started to focus and dig in intentionally into, into these issues? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> it's like, it, you know, it's, it's like once you start thinking that way, it really, um, you can't, you know, go back. And, and so it's like the lens that I look through everything. Um, to be honest, when I first started doing it in California and speaking about it um and you know saying the word sustainability and cocktails mm -hmm. and restaurants out loud um I was working on one particular project and and I was actually really nervous I was like oh I don't know if this is something like a standard I want to be um you know it's something I want to hold myself to but I don't know if I want to publicly be held accountable to it because right. um, it seemed really daunting and you know a lot of the information out there wasn't made for isn't made for restaurant people. Mm -hmm. um, when you talk about like carbon footprint, you read books about carbon footprint, it's like they're written by carbon footprint nerds and <laughs> not people that are working 12 hour shifts and also trying to learn about wine and, and uh, you know, hospitality. And, and so it was very daunting at first. And then I realized that was kind of where I could, you know, I could fit in was um, I do have kind of like a high capacity for that type of um, research, but also, mm -hmm. um, you know, not afraid to like email the author of a book and be like, what, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I was like, okay, but what about normal people? And, um, and, and so I, I, I found that 
like my place that I could um, carve out for myself that felt also needed was kind of distilling this information to a way that not only was approachable for restaurant people who are juggling a million other things, but um, also, you know, finding the, the access points that were more accessible for all. You know, I think a lot of mm-hmm. people think of sustainability as like expensive produce and solar panels and you know precious cocktails and it, mm-hmm. it's certainly like precious you know low waste cocktails and it certainly is all those things but mm-hmm. there's also all these other elements that are that are you know go back to those those food waste or farming perspectives that were mm-hmm. what I thought were just smart when I first mm-hmm. started bartending um but there's also like little things that help um, improve the bottom line of restaurants, like saving electricity and water and gas and and also food waste. And mm-hmm. and those those items, even though they're not as sexy to talk about, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I found that they were they're really useful um, when we have an industry that operates on such small razor thin margins. Right, right. And when you opened your own space, Hunky Dory, how did you kind of bring that perspective into the building and and the the model that you've been been pursuing? Um, well, you know, I was I a lot of the work that I've been doing, I thought of Hunky as the place where that could come to fruition um, mm-hmm. in a way where, you know, I was making solely I was the sole decision maker and but also in like a way where I thought it would be even like more um like people could relate to it more because up until this moment I was you know mostly doing a lot of consulting work and um you know it's very different when you're playing with other people's money and um, and not even like money but like time is always a luxury too to devote to these mm-hmm to these, um, goals. And so, you know, I was like, oh, this will be great. I'm, I'm, I'm opening a restaurant with very little money in essentially a a turnkey, um, space, meaning like I I bought an existing restaurant and Mm -hmm. we had to make use with whatever equipment that had been here the last few years. And, um, the, the bones of it, we didn't plan on changing. And, and also I was, you know, doing everything by myself and, continue to do that. So definitely um, cut out that time as a luxury um, (laughs) um, perspective. But so I just I I was excited because I thought I was like, okay, this is a chance to like, really do things on my own terms, but also make it relatable and continue to share the things that, um, you know, I've been preaching about so much. And, and so it, you know, it was a it's been we've been open for um, a year and a half-ish, we celebrated our one-year anniversary in February, right before mm-hmm. um, shutdown. And, um, you know, I think that we have accomplished a lot, um, but there's still a long way to go. And I think that's okay, too, um, mm-hmm. even for somebody that has such, um, you know, lofty goals within sustainability. And, um and yeah, so we're we're just trying to like uh, chip away at all the right. at all the angles. So carbon footprint, water, food waste, so on and so on. Right. And how have you adjusted the restaurants? Kind of, <coughs> you know, 
how, how have you been running the restaurant since the pandemic began? You know, what have you changed? What have you, I don't know, you know, how, how has that been basically? Uh, wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, everything's changed and right. um, even, you know, just the easier decisions that, you know, we, you know, we're a, a we were a dine-in restaurant. We did some mm-hmm. takeaway, so we didn't really have a lot of like single use uh, material here. Um, and we were very picky about the materials that we did choose, um, like for to-go cups and things like that. And um, prior to this, we had like reusable straws, bamboo straws, and now everything is is single use um, mm-hmm. because we're relying more on takeout, um, but also, you know, when we reopened with our staff, um, we didn't feel, I think as a team, didn't feel comfortable handling guests plates and cups Mm -hmm. like after they were done eating them, eating with them. And so, um, and also we weren't really in a position to hire back all of our staff. So we had to do away with the porter position. And so Mm -hmm. everything is on single use. Um, Like if you have a sandwich outside, it's, you throw away the the paper. Every every cup is is single use. Um, it's made from post recycled plastic. And then we're also you know doing a ton of um, you know packaged bottled cocktails, and that's all in plastic. And so mm-hmm. it's um, you know before I'd say it was it's all a give and a take because some of these things are um, elements of being sustainable is are at odds with each other. Mm -hmm. Um, like you might, I always tell everybody that like, you should figure out what is pertinent, urgent for your geographical area. So maybe when I was in California, I focused a lot more on water, Mm -hmm. um, and agriculture. Um, and then, um, you know, in New York, it, it felt very necessary to think more about like trash um, even though water is still an issue here and, mm-hmm. and think a lot about carbon footprint because we're on the forefront of that, um, as an industry, we're kind mm-hmm. of the trendsetters here. And, um, but sometimes those elements are at odds with each other. And, mm-hmm. um, and now that's like, oops, sorry, that's my phone. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> now that's even more, um, amplified like that, right. like you, say that, you know, that's your value of, you know, not using plastic is more, is a priority over your staff safety. Um, it's not. Right. And, right. and so, you know, there's a lot of sacrifices that we have to do. And, and then there were other things like our composting partner had to um, take a really long pause because of the city um, being tapped out in terms mm-hmm. of people and resources to keep composting going. And, mm-hmm. um, so they're finally getting back online. Um, but you know, we're for the most part, it's like all the stuff that we've done other than like those big items has been, you know, it's like, in, we inherently built into all of our systems. And so mm-hmm. we still don't have a lot of food waste and, we're still very like running a very water efficient program. And, um, you know, I still walk around turning all the lights off uh, behind <laughs> everybody <laughs> whenever they leave a room. And, um, so, and then we found like, you know, funny little ways to, 
um, you know, think about like the lights on our, our new patio, um, are all like solar powered. Um, and, and we try to, you know, still kind of create community around, um, sustainability. We have, we turned our dining room into a retail store. And so, Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the, the things that we carry here kind of speak to that value. So we have like, you know, uh, reusable, reusable straws and bottles and, um, paper-free toilet paper. I sell, I sell toilet paper now, Um, (laughs) (laughs) like all sorts of things. And we carry books that, um, talk about sustainability and, and not just food, but like our, our lives. And, and there's a lot of, um, uh, books on food in general. And, Mm -hmm. um, think a lot of them um speak to speak to those points as well we're right. definitely not carrying like bobby Blake's cookbook um, <laughs> you know we have a lot, of, a lot of books that um even just now i just did a big purchase of a lot of books that talk a lot about um native and indigenous farming mm-hmm. um farming and stewardship of land and um, that all ties into the the sustainability um, that we really um, strive for and try to promote. Right, and you know you've pivoted the restaurant so much um, in this time you know, to doing retail, to going outside, and and that sort of thing. Um, have you felt supported by um, the government locally in these changes and in these pivots? And and how do you? How do you see the restaurant industry, you know, kind of recovering from this? It, like, is that possible? Um, ooh, uh, I would say no. Uh, I've not felt supported <laughs> um, right. at any level. Uh, I mean, there's certainly been, you know, things I'm grateful for, like outdoor dining and the mm-hmm. extension of that. Um, but, you know, a lot of it, I've been pretty involved um, with um, some of the restaurant owner groups here and um, trying to watch the politics play out um, in real time. It's extremely um, frustrating. And, mm-hmm. you know, knowing that, um, you know, people are really struggling out there and sometimes the decision gets made at, like, because of a a staffer in Albany is like, Oh, I love to go cocktails. We should keep them. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> like those like really key decisions are kind of just being made without the, a lot of times without the input of the people that are most affected. Um, right. you know, I was talking to somebody recently and, and I think a big part of the reason why the restaurant industry hasn't gotten support, um, in the way that we've needed is that we, um, haven't really been organized in mm-hmm. our existence, um, you know, and in, in the in the modern restaurant industry's existence, um, and you know, everybody's like focused on their own on their own thing and their own PR, and um, and you see like these groups complaining about like the hotel or the airline industry or the cruise ship industry getting bailouts and things like that, and. Um, it's because those groups are highly organized and they've been advocating and lobbying and in various ways over the years and the restaurant industry has not historically done a great job at that. And so we're kind of two steps behind where we should be. Um, mm-hmm. 
slowly playing, playing catch up. And um, I think that, you know, hopefully some good will come um, after the election and hopefully in the, well, unfortunately, and well, probably won't come in on a federal level until spring, but, um, (laughs) and that'll be a lot, very late for a lot of businesses, but, um, you know, even with all these people kind of speaking out too, I worry a lot about like whose voices are being heard and who's, um, you know, who's kind of taking up space at these tables. I think obviously the, the restaurant advisory board to Trump was a, an example of how that really shouldn't look. Um, you know, even the small restaurant advisory, um, you know, we have like, they had a lot of people representing the big chains and it was ultimately like, I think all men and mostly white men. And, um, and I kind of see that playing out too on a local level. And so I've been thinking a lot about ways that that should change when you have a lot of conversations being had about, um, small businesses, and the owners and workers of them and are those are the people speaking on our behalf representative of of the people that are most affected by by what's going on and the answer is no and so that is kind of where i've been shifting a lot of my focus in this time what uh would a governmental response be that would be beneficial to independent restaurant workers i i know that that would have to be such a broad and you know reach into so many different um you know uh, sectors of this specific industry but you know what would be really helpful in your perspective um you know i i hesitate to speak on um a federal level, um, just because it's, you know, so much of the problems that I think workers and small business owners face are, um, they're just different from location to location and Mm -hmm. that same bandaid won't fit for all. But I think, you know, obviously, um, gosh, universal healthcare would be really great. (laughs) Um, um, you know, I think that uh, just, you know, the acknowledgement of and protection of undocumented workers, um, mm-hmm. which are such a huge backbone of our industry um, is, you know, I, I have to say, I was like super naive about that ac- um, aspect of, um, of it all until we shut down. And I, you know, started getting everybody on unemployment and our staff and kind of understanding the ins and outs of it all. I was mm-hmm. uh, pretty shocked because I ultimately paid, still pay unemployment taxes on um, undoc- our undocumented workers. And, um, and so that's, that's really hard to watch and, um, and see. And I think that, you know, we're all kind of, it doesn't feel good to see a lot of people like having to choose between, you know, how safe they feel and going into work and, um, and, you know, I would, I understand like we can't all be shut down forever. Um, but like 
we need to start thinking about what this means long term instead of just like kind of putting on little band-aids and um pretending that it'll be over soon um you know i think a lot of it has to come down to like the fact that our the restaurant industry you know again like we operate on such small margins and so as owners it doesn't really it's give us a lot of space to be more accountable or provide more support for our staff so where does that change i think you know real estate reform um a, a certain amount of tax reform for the hospitality industry is is really necessary. And then um, I, there's an initiative, um, and I'm not actually sure the status on it right now, but it's to expand SNAP benefits so that mm-hmm. um, more restaurants can accept them. And I think that is um, a really key piece of legislation. Um, that will, that benefits everybody ultimately. And, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, getting more subsidies to farmers that are small farmers and farmers that are, you know, shifting towards more like regenerative organic farming so that mm-hmm. those foods are more accessible. Um, are Those are like all big key pieces to me that, that I, um, that I've been trying to do a lot more research on and seeing where the, where we can as an industry, like be active in those conversations and, you know, not just thinking about, you know, the, the next big crisis or thinking about propane heaters, but how are we like choosing to make sure that we're, we're, you know, not falling back into the same cycle where we were not an active participant in the conversations surrounding food and the people that, that make it happen. Right. Um, but it's so complicated and I'm, yeah. you know, it's like, it reminds me of when I'm like started getting more into sustainability. I was like, what is carbon footprint? <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm trying to make those same phone calls that I was making back then and trying to get anyone on the phone that'll explain to me where the where the pressure points are and and who's doing what and um the frustrating thing is that it's political and Mm -hmm. and so I've never in my entire life (laughs) hated a system more than than (laughs) politics and right um and yeah it's so gross and um and you know that I don't know when this interview will air, but tomorrow's the big day and we're actually closed um, mm-hmm. for the week of the election um, just because I, A, didn't want to be open around it. I, I remember being at a bar in 2016 and how the wheels fell off very quickly mm-hmm. um, on all levels. And so I was like, oh, let's just give the staff some time. And, um, you know, and we're getting some projects done here as well. But um, it is, uh, 2020 is, uh, is a hard one. So my, right. my, my boyfriend last night was like, you're having, he's like, you know, despite it all, you're having a great year. You've got like all this great press. And I was like, yeah, when I look back, 
and somebody's like, what was your best year? I don't want to say 2020. <laughs> so it's hard, to, it's hard to like lean into the silver lining in it all. Right. But, yeah. Um, I think it's, it's definitely a wake up for a lot of people. So, so that I think is a, is a point of optimism. Right. Well, for you, is running a restaurant a political act? Um, I, I mean, I never, I guess I don't like, never like explicitly said that, but I, I, I guess I've always found that like, you know, when you're purchasing something like food or, and hiring people, like how could, how could it not be? Um, like the decisions we make to buy produce from certain farms and to, you know, spread awareness about composting and sustainability and and the way that we choose to care for our employees and our community is um yeah I mean especially right now it's like more political than ever um the you know I think at the beginning of of um Black Lives Matter this year and the height of the protests, you know, I, I was trying to take time and ask myself, like, who is my community? You know, community is a word that is used quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. thrown around quite a bit. And I was just trying to, like, you know, be like doing some journaling and trying to reflect and be self-critical about myself and my business and, um, all the things that I think I stand for. And, you know, I think about, I was thinking about a lot about like, who is my community? What does that mean to me? And who do I want to be in community with? And, um, you know, it's not just like standing in like solidarity with certain values and people, but also um, using our, this platform, my business, the, the power that we hold here to, um, to speak out about issues as well. And so I'd say that it is, um, it, it has to be political if it, if it matters to you. And it matters uh, incredibly much so to me. And it definitely matters to the people I want and the, and the neighbors that I want to be in community with. So, yeah, I take that uh, role as a, a, like, as a huge positive privilege and something I really try to hold myself accountable to every day. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Claire. Thank you. Thank Thanks for having me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I just woke up, so I'm like even no, more I feel you. than usual, but <laughs> no worries. This is wonderful. Great. Thank you. Um, and thank you so much for all the work that you do as well. I, I learned so much um, from your perspective and, um, and then some of the, the books and the people that you point out to is like it's such a great rabbit hole to go down every time I get one of your newsletters. So I love it. Thank you. Thank you.